Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by The Book Guide. Once, when I was a 22-year-old law student, some friends picked me up in my dorm on the way to class. I had been happily listening to bittersweet music in a minor key. Not the Albanoni, which I hadn't heard back then. More likely, a song by my all-time favorite musician, Leonard Cohn, a.k.a. the Poet Laureate of Pessimism. It's hard to put into words what I experience when I hear this kind of music. It's technically sad, but what I feel really is love. A great tidal outpouring of it. A deep kinship with all the other souls in the world who know the sorrow the music strains to express. Awe at the musician's ability to transform pain into beauty. If I'm alone when I'm listening, I often make a spontaneous prayer gesture, hands to face, palm to palm, even though I'm deeply agnostic and don't formally pray. But the music makes my heart open, literally the sensation of expanding chest muscles. It even makes it seem okay that everyone I love, including me, is going to die one day. This equanimity about death lasts maybe three minutes, but each time it happens, it changes me slightly. If you define transcendence as a moment in which your self fades away and you feel connected to the all, these musically bittersweet moments are the closest I have come to experiencing it. But it's happened over and over again. And I could never understand why. Meanwhile, my friends were amused by the incongruity of mournful songs blasting from a dorm room stereo. One of them asked why I was listening to funeral tunes. I laughed, and we went to class. End of story. Except that I thought about his comment literally for the next 25 years. Why did I find yearning music so strangely uplifting? And what in our culture made this a fitting subject for a joke? Why, even as I write this, do I feel the need to reassure you that I love dance music, too? I really do. At first, these were just interesting questions. But as I searched for answers... I realized that they were the questions, the big ones, and that contemporary culture has trained us to our great impoverishment not to ask them. 2,000 years ago, Aristotle wondered why the great poets, philosophers, artists, and politicians often have melancholic personalities. His question was based on the ancient belief that the human body contains four humors, or liquid substances, each corresponding to a different temperament. Melancholic for sad, sanguine for happy, choleric for aggressive, and phlegmatic for calm. The relative amounts of these liquids were thought to shape our characters. Hippocrates, the famed Greek physician, believed that the ideal person enjoyed a harmonious balance of the four, but many of us tend in one direction or another. This book is about the melancholic direction, which I call the bittersweet. A tendency to states of longing, poignancy, and sorrow, an acute awareness of passing time, and a curiously piercing joy at the beauty of the world. The bittersweet is also about the recognition that light and dark, birth and death, bitter and sweet, are forever paired. Days of honey, days of onion, as an Arabic proverb puts it. The tragedy of life is linked inescapably with its splendor. You could tear civilization down and rebuild it from scratch, and the same dualities would rise again. Yet, to fully inhabit these dualities, the dark as well as the light, is paradoxically the only way to transcend them. 
and transcending them is the ultimate point. The bittersweet is about the desire for communion, the wish to go home. If you see yourself as a bittersweet type, it's hard to discuss Aristotle's question about the melancholia of the greats without sounding self-congratulatory. But the fact is that his observation has resonated across the millennia. In the 15th century, the philosopher Marsilio Ficino proposed that Saturn, the Roman god associated with melancholy, has relinquished the ordinary life to Jupiter, but he claims for himself a life sequestered and divine. The 16th century artist Albrecht Dürer famously depicted melancholy as a downcast angel surrounded by symbols of creativity, knowledge, and yearning, a polyhedron, an hourglass, a ladder ascending to the sky. The 19th century poet Charles Baudelaire could scarcely conceive of a type of beauty, he said, in which there is no melancholy. 